Spirit. And, uh, you know, I, the, the purpose of this is so that we can mobilize the body of Christ. And so I had this sent to me this week. I thought, i got to put this up on the screen. It works perfect. So this is an eye test. We're going to test all your eyes today. If you see this watermelon as red, you're a normal person. If you see it as green, you're a bit odd. But if you see it as blue, then it means you need to volunteer in church. That's what this means. So I don't know what you're seeing up there, but if you're seeing blue, that's what it means. It means, it means you're being called to volunteer. Yes, Derek? I see. I, I see. Uh, <laughs> I, I see yellow, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, smart Alec. All right. So uh, that is what you need to do. Then, so you might be sitting there thinking, you know what? I don't know if I qualify to serve. I, I've been quite a bonehead in my life, and uh, I might be disqualified from service. Well, then somebody sent me this quote this week, and I laughed so hard, and I said, you know, that just is so applicable to my own life that I had to put this up here this morning, too. So when God put a calling on your life, he already factored in your stupidity. All right, so when I got that this week, I thought that was so hilarious. Uh, so if you're worried, you know, that, you know, you, you maybe have been disqualified, no, God already factored it in. It's already there. He's all ready to work through you no matter what. So you just need to come to him and say, God, here I am. Use me. Amen? Here I am. Lord, use me. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? He already factored in your stupidity. Uh, hopefully you're not offended by that. Pastor used the word stupidity in church. Uh, if you are, you come talk to me afterwards. I'll say I'm sorry and it'll all be good. All right. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Remember last week, this is our verse for this fall, right? As each one, let's say this with me together this morning. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Amen. That's your verse. You know, that I want you to memorize that. I want you to read that thing over. I want you to commit it to your heart, to your mind. It's a simple uh, truth, and it teaches us basically three things that we went over last week. Everyone has a gift, right? Everyone. Everybody say everyone. everyone. Turn to the person besides that. That means you. That's right. That means you, Gary. That means you, Gary. God's got a hand on you. That means you, Mark. All right. You hear me? That means you. Abby, that means you. Everyone. Everyone has a gift. Second thing that tells us, the gifts are to be used to minister to one another. Right? God gave them to be used to reach out and to minister to one another. And then finally, the gifts are yours by what? Grace. By grace. If you lose sight of this truth at any point in this journey this fall, you're pooched. All right? Because then what happens is you start thinking that you are gifted and you are powerful and you are important and it has something to do with what you did. And it hasn't got nothing to do with what you did. It has to do with what he did. Amen? It's only because of him I'm qualified, right? If it was about me, I'd be disqualified. But because of him, I'm qualified, right? Stephen Furtick wrote a, a great book, and he called it Unqualified because what he was focusing on was the fact that another minister said about him when they asked about Steve Furtick, what do you think about him? He went, unqualified. And Steve was like, yes, I am unqualified. And he wrote a whole book about it, about how in his own natural self, he's unqualified. But God qualifies the unqualified, amen? amen? And he does it by his grace. He does it by his mercy. He doesn't do it by our work and our effort. He does it by Jesus' work and Jesus' effort that was successfully completed on the cross, amen? Yes. 
So that is who we are, and the gifts are to be used by God's grace. Hallelujah. All right, well, this morning, I want to focus in on that, that you are designed by God to be used. And the gifts that were designed and fitted for you were done so to be used. God doesn't want to see anybody sitting on the shelf. And, you know, and uh, if you're here this morning and you, you aren't serving somewhere, then get plugged in. Serve. The watermelon's blue, right? It, it's, it's time to say, okay, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do? There's areas of service. And, and everybody wants to start, you know, well, okay, pastor, I'll preach next week. You know, everybody wants to start there. You know, not everybody, but some people want to start there. I remember when I first moved to Belleville, there was a young man uh, in our youth group that uh, he came up the first night I was there, and he said, he said, Pastor, he said, God's called me to the ministry, and he said, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to do whatever you need. He said, uh, you know, I'm there for you. If you're gone, you're away, I'll, I'll preach. He said, I got you covered no matter what. And I said, okay, so you're here? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, uh, listen, I said, that's great. I need your help next week. He goes, you do? I'm ready. And I said, yeah. I said, can you come about an hour early? Sure can. And uh, I said, we're going to be rearranging the room. I need to set the chairs up differently. So if you could just come and help set up chairs. He goes, oh, I don't think you understood, Pastor. I, I don't set up chairs. I preach. And I said, well, if you don't set up chairs, you don't preach. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And so sometimes we want that thing that we, is going to be seen or that thing that's going to be heard. But you know what? There are so many areas. And, and if you're faithful, the Bible says, with what? The little things, right? Hello? then God can trust you with more, right? And so if you're faithful with a little, God can trust you with more. And, uh, you know, uh, the reality is, is that all of us, you know, any person who's, who's up there, you know, speaking or preaching or whatever, I can tell you their life journey is they've been, they've been the guy who's set up the chairs, the gal who's waited on tables, the, the person who has been in the trenches and done that stuff. I promise you. And, you know, I, I, I may be the guy you hear the most here on a Sunday, but, you know, if you look around and you go to that side and you see the kitchen or you see the cafe or you see the kids' unit, all of the wiring in the whole building is done by me. Now, I'm not saying that to my horn. I'm just saying that to say we do anything, right? We're here to serve. If there's wiring needs to be done, we do the wiring. If there's chairs to be set up, we do the chair set up. If there's anything, you, you offer yourself to the kingdom and the gifts that he's given you, and you use them for his glory. Amen? That's how it works. So everybody say, everybody's got a gift. Got to use it to serve. All right, here we go. All right, so um, <clears throat> you remember I told you last week that we serve a triune God. In other words, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Uh, God is one, manifest to us in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And I'm not going to explain the Trinity this morning. That's not what today's message is about, but... They've been people a lot smarter than me trying to explain it for hundreds of years. So we aren't going to uncover that whole mystery this morning. Suffice it to say, that is the nature of God. And uh, there are 21 gifts of this God that he's given to us in the body of Christ. And now you might be able to find the odd verse that talks about a different gift here or there. But there are three specific lists. And you add them together, you get 21 gifts. There's the seven gifts of the Father, as I call them. These are also called the motivational gifts, all right? And uh, they're in Romans chapter 12. There's the five gifts of Christ, the ministry gifts in Ephesians chapter 4. And then there is the nine gifts of the Spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit, 
also called manifestation gifts, and these are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Has everybody got that so far? Not going too fast? Now, over the, the next few months, we're going to unpack uh, specifically uh, the firstly, that first list, the gifts of the Father. And, uh, and I have a bit of a, an apology to make. We, we call this series Gifts of the Spirit, but I really meant to cover all the gifts, and I just call them Gifts of the Spirit because it just sounds cooler and I could tie the flame thing in in the poster, right? Uh, and everybody loves to hear about the Gifts of the Spirit. I want to hear about the Gifts of the Spirit because it just sounds so much more mystical than saying the gifts of God. That sounds a little more boring. So, so we're called the gifts of the Spirit. But God is a spirit, so we're going to say the gifts of the Spirit. We're, we're talking about all the gifts, right? And we will focus in, probably not until the new year, but we'll focus right in on, on the uh, 1 Corinthians 12 gifts as well in the new year. This fall, as a foundation, though, we're going to deal with the gifts of the Father. Now, let me just do a little bit more uh, background here. Let's, the, gifts of, the ministry gifts uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, it's an interesting little thing for you here this morning. The word for gifts there is not the same word that it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or Romans chapter 12, I should say. And it's not the same word again used in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, we translate them all gifts. But this word is the Greek word domus. And uh, this Greek word is a little different, and it means someone who is appointed or someone who is called, right? So when you look at this uh, set of gifts where Jesus, uh, the Bible talks about uh, this verse. Let's read it. He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And that is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower regions? He who descends is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It's a parenthetical statement. And he himself, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And the idea here is that this is a, a something that is a given, uh, a someone, a person, a calling that is given, and its purpose, as Paul clearly outlines, is for the equipping of the saints. And so when we talk about these gifts, these are gifts, ministry gifts, given to the body help, to help equip the body. Does everybody understand that so far? Not going too fast for anybody. What are these gifts? They're apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All right? Those are what those five gifts are. I find it interesting how, uh, you know, we start talking about gifts. We're particularly guilty about this as Pentecostals sometimes. We talk about all the gifts. We love all the gifts until we get to this list. And then we get to this list, and there's no apostles, and there's no prophets. There's just evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Right? So we cut out a couple, just like we accuse other denominations of cutting out whole, whole sections. Right? But we do it when it's convenient for us as well. And instead of doing that, we have to deal with the whole counsel of God. Right? We have to find a way to understand all of these things in the, in the Scripture and make sure that we walk all of it out in Christ. Amen? So that's that gift, the ministry gifts. Then the other list that we're going to look at after Christmas is the manifestation gifts. And again, the word gifts here, right, interestingly enough, and the word that's used in describing how they're given to us is not the same word as in Romans 12. Here's the word uh, phanerosis. Everybody say phanerosis. That's a Greek word that means to make manifest, all right? And that's why there also you'll see the word manifest, manifestation in 
the text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And that means to take something and make it applicable for use right now. All right? And uh, so this word we also see in Scripture. And uh, let's look at, at this verse. There are diversity of gifts but the same spirit. There are diversity of ministries but the same Lord. There are diversity of activities but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit, see that word in there? The gift of the Spirit is actually manifestation, right? We call them the gifts of the Spirit, but it's the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then it lists all of the gifts there. I won't take time to read it all, but here they are. They're broke down into three groups that we'll look at. There is the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. There is faith, healing, and working of miracles. And then there is tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And are we ever going to have fun when we unpack this stuff? Because, you know, there's been more church splits over this kind of stuff than you can shake a stick at. And what we're going to do is we're going to deal with it, and it's actually going to bring us closer together. So I'm going to say amen. We're going to come to an understanding. The Bible says if you lack understanding, gain understanding. Right? Go after it. Go after it. So we're going to go after it, and it's going to bring us closer together. And everybody said amen. Amen. Woo, can't wait. All right, it's going to be awesome. Praise the Lord. Now, the gifts that we're going to focus on uh, starting this morning is this list, the motivational gifts. And these, the word gifts here is the word charisma. Charisma, all right? And, you know, when you say somebody's very charismatic, someone's very gifted, it's where we get that from. It comes from this uh, Greek word. And it talks about, uh, this word is talking about how you are wired, right? It's talking about something that seems to be part of who you are. It's, they, they're a gifted person. It means that this is something that they have. It isn't something they learned, something they acquired, but it's something that they are. And so this verse in Romans chapter 12, if we back up to verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me, to, uh, to everyone who is among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Just as each one of us uh, has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him prophesy. Let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve it. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. All right? Um, and this is the, the group that we're going to start with, and we're going to unpack these uh, this fall. We're actually going to take time in the church service to do a survey. You know those uh, personality profile things and all that kind of stuff? We're going to do a gift survey. And you're going to actually, you know, answer questions, you know, my first inclination when I see this person is to, you know, whatever, slap them in the face. No, no, it doesn't ask questions like that, but, you know. Uh, but, it, but it does ask questions, and it helps you refine and understand and, and narrow down to how you are hardwired. And this is what this gift set is about. It's about who am I, all right? Who am I? How have I been created by Father to operate and function? And so we're going to look at these gifts and we're going to understand that this gift, this word charisma, this divine gratuity, this divine spiritual endowment that I've received is a gift from the Father that is given to me to be used to encourage other people. And uh, again, it's important to realize that even though it's mine from birth, it's still a gift. 
right? It's still a gift. And like anything else, it can be honed, uh, it can be developed, it can be used uh, for good, or it can be used uh, as something that we uh, abuse and we uh, use inappropriately to tear others down. Hello? But it's who I am. These gifts are, are called the motivational gifts because they provide that motivating force in our life. They're, when you're working in what you're gifted, it's easy to get out of bed in the morning, right? It, it becomes a motivating force in your life. When you're walking in the body and you're using your gifts, it motivates you to be together with the people in the body. If your gifts spend 10 years sitting on a shelf, you lose interest. Am I making any sense to anybody? But if our gifts are being used, it gets us off the, the bench, gets us into the game, to use the sport metaphor since Mark was asking about football on Sunday. But, um, you know, we have to understand that, the, that God wants us to be in the game, and these gifts were created and put in us to motivate us to engage. And uh, they are gifts that shape our personality. They're, you might say they're our spiritual uh, DNA. They're about the design uh, of me. They're about what's inside. They're what's behind the cover, right? How many know we all have facades? We all have covers, right? We all wear a cover. And, uh, but what's behind the cover is what enables me to engage with other people. It's about what causes me to get out of bed in the morning. It's about what motivates me to live my life. And when people lose that motivation and they lose that uh, you know, understanding of who they are, that's when disparity starts to come into our life. But you show me somebody who understands who they are and are walking in great purpose, well, you know, despair is far away. You understand what I'm saying? And so uh, we're going to unpack this stuff. We're going to come to understand this, and uh, it is going to be great. So just this morning, what we're going to do in the next 10, 15 minutes, and then one of my goals, by the way, uh, was a a New Year's resolution, because everybody knows the New Year starts in September, right? So my New Year's resolution was to be done at 1130. Hello? And all the moms said amen, you know? Now, uh... Now, it, that doesn't mean, like, if we have an altar time and you want to come and pray or whatever, we want to, but we want to free the children's workers up, and we want to, you know, uh, enable parents to get out and to do that. So that's one of my objectives. We'll see how good pastor is at making it. But, uh, you know, if you, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it, right? <laughs> so that's, that's the look right there. Some of you are already doubtful, I can tell. But anyway, let's take a closer look at these motivational gifts, all right? All right. Now, here we're going to start with the first one. Perceiver. Now, you're probably saying, I didn't see that on the list. Perceiver. I didn't see that. Uh, And that's because the word is actually prophecy that's there. But, uh, you know, somebody who prophesies or somebody who functions in that that type of gifting uh, is somebody who is being used by God to see things the way God sees them, about situations, maybe about insight into a person's pain, a person's hurt, or a person's uh, life so that we can pray, so that we can encourage, so that we can edify. And since the word prophet or the root prophet is all in all three sets, it's the only word that's in all three sets. Did you know that? There's an Ephesians chapter 4, you've got a, pro- a prophet. 
And then in Romans chapter 12, you've got the gift of prophecy. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you have the gift of prophecy. So for simplicity's sake, rather than have two gifts of prophecy, I'm just changing this word to perceiver. We'll use the gift of prophecy when we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Is that helpful to anybody? And, uh, but because somebody who's operating uh, in a gift of, of prophecy, if it's about how you're wired, it means that you're an insightful, discerning type of person. And as we go through the surveys, you're going to see how they've created a way for you to be able to work this through and be able to see, yes, that does describe me. And uh, this is somebody who, like I said, has that ability to, to uh, you know, cut through and to see clearly what is going on in a situation and, uh, and is able to function uh, as a, a voice of God, an encouraging voice of God, discerning and able to perceive what is that is happening in this particular person's life or situation. I've been so blessed to have people whose gift is discernment, who's a perceiver, sitting with me around the table as I'm planning, because sometimes being a planner, I can only see all of the good things, and I can't see any of the potential pitfalls, right? But then you get a perceiver, they come along and say, well, you know, pastor, what about this or this? Now, one of the the downfalls of being a perceiver is that you can be a poo-poo. Do you know what I mean by that? You know, one of those people that, that you're able to tell everybody all the things that could go wrong and lose sight of what are all the things that could go right. So you have to be understand your gift, know how to apply it, know how to use it. And the other thing is, is none of these gifts are meant to be used as a Lone Ranger gift. So God never intended any of us to operate without the rest of us. Hello? So God's intent is for us to use these gifts together. So that if you're in a situation where you're seeing maybe some potential pitfalls other people aren't seeing, together you find a path that is going to bring the greatest honor and glory to God. Amen? All right, second one, a server. A server. This is one who loves to serve others, a a doer, a person who serves from the heart. And here's one of the keys about a server. A server is somebody who does it and doesn't need to be noticed. If you're serving and you need to be noticed, you may be a server, but you got some stuff to work out yet. Do you know what I mean? Because when this gift is operating properly, it doesn't need to be noticed. We don't do it so that people will go, way to go. Really appreciate what you've done there. Awesome. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't speak to people like that. When you see a server doing it, you should say those kinds of things to them. Because that one little comment might be enough encouragement to keep them serving for the next 10 months. But the reality is, we don't do it for the accolades. Right? A server, a doer, is somebody who does it because they have this innate DNA that just loves to do things for other people. This one is so powerful that if you've ever studied the five love languages, you'll realize it's even one of the languages of love. Right? One of the five love languages is the, the language of doing things for other people. And so when you get a couple and they're married and they don't understand the five love languages, right? And, and your love language, for example, is, is uh, quality time or is intimate touch. And your spouse isn't really doing any of the, either of those things. But they're out working and serving and building a new deck and doing this. The whole time they're doing that stuff, they're saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. But since you don't understand their language, you're not hearing it. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's a powerful, powerful force in a person's life. When they're wired this way, whoo, a powerful force. And they love to do things. And so, and they get frustrated if there's nothing to do. Right? Get frustrated if you got nothing to do? Well, then what am I here for? Right? I'll go somewhere where I can 
do something where I can serve. All right, is everybody following me so far? Not going too fast for anyone? The next one, teacher, all right? Uh, this is somebody who loves research and communicating truth. But two things, two aspects to it. If once you get behind the, the Greek word here, you understand that it's about as much about digging it up as it is about dissipating it. And a person who's got a teaching gift in their life, who's wired that way, doesn't just like to talk. It isn't just about being a talking head. It's about loving to get to the truth. Loving to dig down deep, to find out the answers, to investigate, to research. You know, uh, you might become one of those genealogy people if you've got a teaching gift. Because it, it might be just something you just love to just, you could spend hours just searching that stuff. Right, Cheryl? <laughs> and, uh, you know, because that's the way this gift operates in your life. And, uh, and you need to understand that it's not just about speaking biblical truth. No, no, it's all truth. Right? These people love to dig stuff up. Now, I've got a bit of teacher in me. It's, I know it's a, it's a mystery to people, but it's true. And, uh, and so I'm just going to give you one this morning. I, I'm constantly reading stuff, all kinds of stuff. You mean you don't just read the Bible, Pastor? No, I read all kinds of stuff. And I even read scientific journals, right? So I'm going to give you one to help you sleep easier at night, all right? Can I give you one, that, you know? So recently there's been a lot of stuff in the news about the burning of the Amazon, Right, and the president of Brazil taking a lot of heat over turning Amazon into rain, uh, the rainforest into farmland, and so you know I've been reading lots of articles, and all kinds of people have been saying it's devastating to the ecology because the Amazon rainforest generates 20% of the planet's oxygen. It's the lungs of the planet. How many have read that in, in in your news, right? And so then I read about how kids are coming home from school because they're being taught this in school, and they're freaking out, and, and they're actually talking about having to treat children with PTSD because of the stress they're experiencing about the collapse of the environment. So I was reading an article by a guy who's got his PhD in geology, and he's also, I don't know if he has his PhD as well in biology, but he was a smart guy written in the American uh, Journal of Science. And he was saying, you know, it is, and he's an environmentalist, so he's completely opposed to burning down the rainforest in order to, you know, turn it into farmland, right? And he said, there are many species being destroyed that we may never get back of plants and of, of insects and all the rest of it. And he said, and it is absolutely true that the Amazon rainforest generates 20% of the uh, oxygen that the living things on the planet, the living organisms generate. He said, but let's make something very clear, right? If the humans in their, their efforts to, you know, uh, domesticate the planet were to kill every living thing on it, every animal, every plant, every blade of grass, every blade of grass, he said they would, uh, they would only reduce the oxygen levels in the atmosphere by 0.8%. He said we'd starve to death, but we'd keep breathing. And the reality is, he said, that the, the, the rainforests generate only 20% of 0.8%. See, that's the truth. It's 20% of 0.8%. Now, I'm not giving you this because I want everyone to go out and burn your lawn this morning or something like that or advocating the destruction of rainforests. In fact, I think it's a tragedy as well. However, the point I want to get at is that no matter how people spin things, there's still truth. And if we dig deeper, we can find the truth. It's 20% of 0.8%. 
And he said, and the, and the oxygen in our atmosphere is the result of, of literally the decomposition of life and in the oceans and everything else. He said, over millions of years. And he said, and that level isn't going to change. He said, overnight, just because all living matter on the planet today was gone, he said, it would still just keep moving along, moving along. Now, the reason I tell you that is, is that when you know the truth, what happens? And you live the truth, the truth will? Now you can sleep at night. You know, it's tragedy what they're doing, but you're still going to be able to breathe when you get out of bed tomorrow morning. There you go. But research, digging into this stuff. There are so many things that we need to dig into and we need to know the truth. And Christians should be the people who are the ones who dig the most. Please don't get your information you're digging from YouTube. The internet is a great place. Hear what I'm about to say. It's a great place for people to publish information that they're not credible to get published anywhere else. Just saying. If YouTube is your news source, you are in trouble. You are in trouble. All right? It is a non-monitored, basically open forum where anybody can put their conspiracy theories out there. And the truth is, it's going to get you in trouble. All right, that's all for free this morning. I'm running out of time. So, there we go. <laughs> the exhorter. The exhorter. All right, this is uh, the gift of encouragement. One who loves to encourage others. Uh, uh, wants someone to, people to live successfully, to live victoriously. They're extremely positive people. Often you might call them coaches. You might call them uh, uh, mentors. But they're somebody who loves to just get in there and to be an exhorter, an encourager, uh, you know, a Barnabas, somebody who's speaking into other people's lives. Then there's the giver. Now, this is just somebody who loves to give. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be money. It could be talent or energy or uh, of your time. I mean, it's somebody who's just willing to give of themselves to other people. Another word you could use for a giver is a contributor. This is who we're talking about here. The next one is the administrator or the gift of leadership, as it was talking about in there. We'll use the word administrator, but this is somebody who loves to organize, loves to lead, direct. Uh, other descriptors of this could be a leader, facilitator. This is who we're talking about. Sue's up here shaking her head, not me, not me, you know. But, but that's another, another one of the gifts. And then finally, the gift of compassion or the compassionate person or the showing of mercy. This is somebody who, uh, you know, loves to give hands-on love and care to other people. This is somebody who's, who's moved and motivated when they see affliction on other people, especially affliction that they, they didn't earn or deserve. You know, when it just... Well, a person like this sees the hurricane going through uh, the Bahamas and they just want to move down there for a few months and help. You know, uh, they, they're just moved by compassion. And uh, that's what this gift is. Now, understanding these gifts, uh, I found this in the Amplified. And I wanted to read it to you out of the Amplified. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, your logical, your intelligent act of worship. And don't be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what, will be, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. 
For by God, the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has appointed to each a degree of faith and a purpose designed for service. For just as in one physical body of many parts, and these parts do not all have the same function or special use, so we who are many are nevertheless just one body in Christ, and individually we are parts of one another, mutually dependent on each other. Now that is a mouthful, and I would encourage you, if you don't have an Amplified, go on and type it in online and read it over uh, several times. But basically, this is what it says in verse 1. Every believer is being called to be a living sacrifice. No matter what gift we're talking about, it will require sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require you being willing to give of yourself for the kingdom and for one another. Number two, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul talks about how, and the word he uses here, by the way, is the same word that we use when we're talking about uh, a, a, a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly. It's metamorphous, right? And that's the same word that Paul's using here. So the transformation that's supposed to take place in our life is huge. We are to be so transformed that people who maybe meet us after we become a Christian would barely recognize us from what we were before. Does everybody get that? That's what it's about. And how does that happen? It happens by the word of God. There's two words to be used to describe the scripture, logos and rhema. Logos is the printed word, but when that gets in you and transforms you, it's rhema. So when it comes out of you, out of your spirit, now it's rhema. It's the living word. And that's how we're transformed is by the word. In the third verse, he says, we're not to have any confidence in the flesh, but by faith we're to use our gift. In other words, he said, don't put any confidence in yourself. No boasting about yourself. This all comes from God. And we can engage by faith with whatever our gift is for the kingdom of God. Verse 4, he said, we're all different parts of the body. We have different gifts. Different parts, different gifts, different functions. Each one is a different function. Every function is useful. So don't look down at the person who's not wired the same as you. Down your nose at them. No. Their gift is just as useful, just as important as yours. And finally, verse 5, Paul reminds us that each uh, of us, that the different parts that we are, we're still interdependent. We are, and I love the way he says, each member belongs to the others. You're not an island. You belong to the others. Tori, you, you belong to Sarah, and not just your sister Sarah, because she thinks she has rights over you, I'm sure. But, uh, but you know what I mean? You guys belong to each other. That means you're accountable to each other. You're, you're, you're knit together in one another. Does everybody follow that? We belong to each other. And it's in this context that the motivational gifts, Paul started to talk about them. After he shared these five points, he started to talk about these gifts this morning. And, it's, and if we don't lose sight of that truth, that it's in this context, then we will not put enough emphasis on the operation of these in the body of Christ and getting everybody serving and working together. If I, I'm going to conclude with this. If I understand who I am and how I'm gifted, then I am able to fulfill God's purposes. I'm able to bless others with my gift. I'm able to get along with others. Hello. And I am a complement to others in the body. Right? This is what happens if I understand who I am, if I understand my gift, this is what happens. Okay? Now, conversely, if I don't understand who I am and how I'm gifted, I'll be frustrated spiritually. My life will be ineffectual. 
I will struggle to get along with others. I'll be like, why can't you just see it this way? If you've ever had that frustration, maybe you just don't know how the other person's wired, and that's part of the problem. And I will not be a compliment to others in the body. Isn't that true? Amen. Let's stand together this morning. I went four minutes, three and a half minutes over. Not bad. Not bad. Final thought for you here this morning is this. If I don't get this right, the whole body will suffer, but I will suffer more. All right? You know, the body suffers when you're not plugged in. We feel it because your gift is missing from the body, and we need it. We need it here. Um, you know, but the bottom line is you'll suffer more because you need to be plugged into the body. I used to use this analogy all the time. You, you take a person, you cut off their arm, and they're still going to be able to do things. They'll survive right? But their arm, you could keep it, put it on a mantle, do whatever you want with it, but it's dead. It just, it dies. Once it's cut off, it withers up, it's done, it's finished, right? The arm needs the body more than the body needs the arm. Does that make sense? And so we have to understand that's how God designed us. We need to be plugged in. We need to be part of the body. And uh, the body's not perfect. Lord knows the church is not perfect. And if you came here this morning thinking you were coming to a place that was perfect, as soon as you walked in the door, it became even more imperfect. But you're in good company because we're all imperfect in here, right? There ain't nobody perfect in here but Jesus. Hello? Uh, that's who we are. We're imperfect. We make mistakes. That's who we are. But we're being perfected by Jesus. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for the beauty of your scripture today. And Father, as we go on this journey of discovering who you made us to be and how, how we can serve one another. Lord, and as we raise the, the water table uh, uh, in the body of Christ and uh, as more and more people see that blue watermelon and they, they realize, God, you've called me to be plugged in. You've called me not to put my gift on the shelf or to sit on the sidelines, but to be engaged. Father, as every life is purposefully working and serving uh, the body of Christ, and it starts here, because if we can't work and serve one another here, we're not likely, the Bible says, to do much outside these four walls. And uh, so, Father, we need your help to be able to engage and to love and to serve one another. And, Father, as we get that down, we'll be able to love and to serve the world that you died for. And, Father, we'll be able to bring them closer and closer to your glory, to where they experience the same captivating love that has captured each one of us. Father, we thank you today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Don't forget we're going to pray walk or prayer walk afterwards at 2 o'clock. And so go get some lunch, come back and join us. It will be fantastic.